Jesus is our all in all. Amen. He alone is king. He alone is worthy of our praise and worship. This morning, I, I have to confess, uh, I changed the message on, on Clay this morning. Uh, I had told him earlier in the week, I gave him a sermon outline. I told him, this is what we're going to be doing Sunday morning. And, and um, this morning when I got up, the Lord changed my mind. And, and then I changed his by telling him what, that I had, the Lord had changed my mind. So this morning, we're going to be talking about a day uh, for remembering. This is Memorial Day weekend. Monday is Memorial Day, and we've set that time aside as a nation to remember those who have given their lives for us so that we can have freedom. Now, you know the situation that we are in in our world today. A generation has been raised up believing that the United States is a bad place to live, that it is systemically evil, that all those who have, were in power before had ulterior motives, and they treated people wrong, and all of these things, so that their, their lives must be canceled. They're, they must be done away with. There is no remembrance of what it cost the United States to be the United States, blessed in the way that it is. My challenge for all those who would... Uh, who would disparage the United States, who would uh, say that it's not good and bad, I would encourage them to go somewhere else and just try it for a little while. You know, how about South America? Go, tell you what, why don't you go to Colombia? Why don't you go to Brazil? Why don't you go to Venezuela? All right, you know, if you like socialism and, and that sort of thing, go somewhere and check it out and see how everything is. And then come back to the United States and let me know how you feel about it. You see, what we need to be is we need to be understanding of what it actually cost us to get to where we are so that you or they would have the freedom to stand up and say whatever they want to about the United States because they cannot talk about the country uh, in other countries. If you stand up against the, the powers that be, you may cease to be. And they, and they don't understand that. They don't understand the freedoms that we have. So for them, they have been taught to hate what is good, and they have taught, been taught to love what is not. What we've got to do is we've got to understand, and looking back at our past, know the United States is not perfect, but if you've given the choice to live anywhere in the world, I imagine that you're going to want to, and that's the reason so many people come to the United States of America, because we've got a great country. We've got, you know, the opportunity, the freedom to do what it is that you want to do with your life. Now, as we get started, remember what it cost us. I've, you know, I've watched some things on the Discovery Channel and, and on the History Channel about some documentaries about the things in the past, wars and things of that nature. And, folks, I want to tell you, so many of our young men back in the day they lost their lives for the freedom that we enjoy now. When you go back and you count and, and you look at, at the things that they went through, and these were guys just out of high school, and, and some of them, you know, later on in their years, but mostly young men have fought for our country and lost their future because of it. 
they paid the ultimate price. And I want to read to you a quote by President Ronald Reagan in 1983. This is a quote from that day. He said, Memorial Day is a day of ceremonies and speeches. Throughout America today, we honor the dead of our wars. We recall their valor and their sacrifices. We remember they gave their lives so that others might live. When he spoke at a ceremony in Gettysburg in 1863, President Lincoln reminded us that through their deeds, the dead had spoken more eloquently for themselves than any of the living ever could, and that we living could only honor them by rededication, our, rededicating ourselves to the cause for which they so willingly gave a last full measure of devotion. They gave their lives so that we can enjoy the freedom to sit here today and worship. The freedom to get up tomorrow morning and be able to go to work and earn a living. The freedom to be able to speak out whatever it is that we want to say to this world. Those freedoms are being taken away. Those freedoms are, have been taken for granted, and now, because of that, they are being taken away slowly but surely. We need to remember our past. We need to remember today all those that gave their lives for what we have today. So as we begin this morning, I want to look at some things that we need to remember. First of all, I want us to, to go back and think about where we are right now and remember the past, remember how we got here. So the first thing I'd like for you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 22. <coughs> Pardon me. Joshua chapter 22, and the first thing that we need to remember is where we've been. You need to remember where you've been in order to get where you're going, you've got to know where you've been. Because if you don't know where you've been, you probably don't know where you're going. Or even how you might get there. Now in this episode right here, in Joshua chapter 22, and also in Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites came across the, the river Jordan into the promised land, in chapter 4, uh, Joshua had the, the 12 tribes to pick a man, and they, they went over, and in the middle of the stream, they would pick up a rock. 12 rocks they took out of the middle of the river and they set it up as a memorial. When they crossed over wherever they camped, they put up this memorial so that they would remember what the Lord had done for them that day. You see, the Lord had dried up the river and they walked across on dry ground. Now, this was during the flood season, so you see, it wasn't just something that accidentally happened. It was something that God caused so God stopped the river, they went across on dry ground, and after they crossed over, the river came back. And Joshua says, you need to remember this instance, you need to remember what God has done for you, how he brought you across the Jordan on dry ground. So they built a memorial. And later on, you see, there was two and a half tribes that decided they wanted to go back across the river and live over there. They had already received their inheritance on that side of the river, so they, they crossed over, their, their armies did, to help conquer the promised land, and then they moved back across on the other side of the river. So when they crossed over, they built an altar. They built an altar, and the Israelites 
heard about it. And they said, they're trying to worship over there, and they're not supposed to. They're supposed to come to the tabernacle and worship, where God, His name rests, where we worship the Lord. So now, when the Israelites found out about it, they gathered their armies together and said, if they're, if they're doing that, they're standing against God, they're standing against us, so we're going to go attack them. We're going to annihilate the evil from Israel. So they sent some messengers over there, and when they got there, the messengers found out why they built the memorial, built the altar. And that's where we are in chapter 22, verse 24. They begin speaking for themselves, and this is what they said, the reason why they built the altar. But in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us, you children of Reuben and children of Gad. You have no part in the Lord. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. They said, no, the reason that we built the altar is so that it, it would be a witness that we are a part of the children of God. So that in generations to come, your people, your descendants won't be able to tell us, you're not a part of us. So they said, we want to make sure that we have an inheritance with God, that we worship and serve God, and even in the future, we'll be able to worship God. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, for, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. They said, no, we've done this for a specific reason. We're not going to burn any sacrifices on it. We're not going to worship any other gods on it. We built it as a memorial, as a sign between our, our descendants and your descendants that we are a part of Israel and that we want to worship and serve God. They wanted to ensure that generations in the future would know that they were a God-worshiping people. They set up that memorial. <coughs> Pardon me. Now what they did was ensure that not only the generation that lived at that time, but the generations to come would know the truth would know where they came from and what they wanted to do, where their dedication was, where their commitment was. They said, we want to worship God and we don't want to be excluded just because we live on the other side of the river. Now, I'm talking about those things in the Scripture. Those tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, they, they wanted to live over there, but they wanted to be included in the worship of the one true God. They said, don't disown us. So what about us? How do, how do we set up markers in our life? How do, can we look back at where we have been and see and, and ensure for generations to come, knowing uh, for them to know what happened now so that, they will understand where we came from and where we're going. How do we do that? You see, you've got to be specific. All right, here's something that's very, very important. 
You need to let your family know, your friends know, all those that are in your circle of influence, you need to let them know where you stand with God. You see, what these folks did, they said, hey, look, you might try to exclude us, but we want you to know that we're sticking with God no matter what. So ask yourself the question, is there anybody that I know that doesn't know that I'm a Christian, that isn't sure about my faith? How about my family? Does my family recognize me as a born-again believer? Does my family know that if something happened to me right now that I'd go home to be with Jesus in heaven? You see, there's so much confusion about that. I've seen time and time again families that would come and to a funeral-type service or something of that nature and say, I don't know if my family member was saved. The heartbreak in that is horrible. Because there's no assurance. Let me ask you, wives, does your husband know that you're saved? Husbands, does your wife know that you're saved? Do all your in-laws, do your kids know that you're saved? They need to know. You need to make sure that you set aside a time to show them your faith, not just tell them about it. Because that's the most important thing. You see, these guys, they crossed over the river, and, but they, they wanted something to show for it. They wanted something to, to be a memorial, so they set it up. Let me tell you, what you've got to do is model your faith in front of your family and friends and children so that they will know without the shadow of a doubt that you're saved so that they won't have to question and wonder. So how are you going to do that? Well, Jesus said this. He says, if anybody wants to uh, be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So here's what you do if you want to set up a moral. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow him. Now, if you're not doing that, if there's, because there's so many people that have questions, well, I don't know who is saved and, and that sort of thing, look and see who is denying themselves, taking up their cross, and following him. They're the saved ones. All right, everybody else, most of them are in question. Some of them, there's not in question. You know for sure they're lost. Some people are trying to do good, and they say that they're saved, but you know what? They're not daily denying themselves, taking up their cross, and following Him. So your wheels start turning, you say, hmm, I don't know for sure. I can guess. But here's what you need to do. Just like the... The Israelites that crossed over the Jordan built that altar. You need to stop. You need to make sure there's a time in your life where you have given yourself to the Lord. And now, now listen, most people, this is their idea. I'll come down. I'll ask Jesus to save me. And then I'll have my ticket punched for heaven. And then I'll be okay. Hey, folks, that's not following Jesus. That's... That's exactly the opposite of following Jesus. You see what that is? Abusing Jesus. Abusing the grace. You're saying, well, Jesus, uh, he'll be glad to have me on, my on his team, so I'll just say, yeah, I'm joining the team, and I'll get my, my uniform and everything, but I'll never go to practice or I'll never play. If you never go to practice and you never play, you're not on the team. I can go to a uniform company and buy a uniform and pretend to be on a team. Now, you need to set up, you need to, you need to build your altar. The first thing you need to do is, is bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, look, uh, I'm, I'm done doing it my way. I want to submit myself completely to you. I commit myself 
to you completely. You see, that's salvation. All the other stuff, praying, baptism, all, all of those things, I've, I've been part of the church all my life, all those things. You see, you can pretend to be on the team, but you might be just wearing a uniform that's not really making you a part of a team. Build that altar. Know where you've been. You've, you've got to have a beginning, a spiritual birth. If you don't have a spiritual birth, you can't. You can't have a spiritual future. So first of all, build the altar. Make sure that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure that, that wherever it is that you uh, are, that you can look back and say, at, at a time, there was that time that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I've done my best to follow Him now, to do what He wants me to do, to commit my way to Him. Now, if you're not doing that, you have made a commitment that you have not fulfilled, and what you need to do is make a commitment that will be fulfilled. Joshua chapter 22, Joshua was willing to go to war for the Lord. What are you willing to do for the Lord? Are you willing to humble yourself, submit to Him? Are you willing to give yourself to the Lord Jesus, following Him every day? First thing that we need to do today is remember where we've been. The next thing we need to remember is what we've been forgiven of. Go with me now to Luke chapter 7. What have you been forgiven? You see, you can look back in, at a point in your life and say, I, I know I was saved at that point. I do that myself. I, I look back and, and I question the Lord and I ask, I said, Lord, I've got to know Am I really saved? Because I was going through a time of, of wondering and worrying, and the Lord was actually calling me into the ministry at that time, and I didn't know what it was. I thought he was calling me for salvation, but it wasn't that. So I asked the Lord one night, driving home from work, I said, God, i got to know. I'm tired of, of being in limbo. I, I want to be assured of my salvation. And God took me back to the altar where I prayed to accept him as my Lord and Savior, and he says, that was it. You gave your life to me there. I didn't follow the Lord all those years, but when I came back to Him with an earnest heart, He told me, yes, you're saved, but now you need to get up and do what you promised you would. And I tried. I'm not perfect, but I try. You need to remember what you've been forgiven. You see, in this passage of Scripture, there's a, a woman who was a sinner, and she bowed at the feet of Jesus, and she broken alabaster flask of oil and anointed his feet. And there were those who were looking around and says, now if Jesus knew who this woman was, he wouldn't let her get close to him. But Jesus starts telling a story to this guy, and he says, hey, look. He said, what, what is it? Uh, there's, just say there's two people, and, and one person owes another person a, a great deal of money. And then... This other person owes the same person a little bit of money. Not a lot, but a little bit. And the one who's owed the money, he goes to both of them and says, look, your debts are forgiven, you don't have to pay me back. And Jesus says, now which one do you think is going to thank him more or love him more? And the guy says, well, the one that he forgave a lot of. 
You know, if you owe millions of dollars and somebody says you don't have to pay it back, you're going to be pretty happy. But if somebody, you know, if you owe somebody 50 bucks and they say, you know, you don't have to pay me that back, that's not really the same. And Jesus said that. He says, now which one do you think is going to love the one more? So he asked him, and he says, well, I suppose the one who gave, who, whom he forgave more. And he said, you, you have judged rightly, in verse 43. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. See, the truth of the matter is, a lot of people will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will come and they will make a profession of Jesus, but you know what they're thinking through the whole thing? You know, I'm not really that bad anyway. So just adding Jesus to what I'm doing is, is probably the right thing to do. So yeah, Jesus will be glad to have me on his team because I'm not a bad person. You know, yeah, I may have told a little lie here or there. I might have done a little bit of something wrong over there, but you know what? Overall, I'm really good. We're just like the Pharisee, thinking, mm, you know, uh, I, hadn't, I don't have a whole lot to be forgiven of. But then there's this woman. She knows she's a sinner. She knows exactly what's been going on in her life. Nobody knows everything that she's done but her and the Lord. And she knows to be forgiven of her sins is a great and wonderful act that has been done for her. And yes, she's happy about it. She knows, hey, look, I could have been condemned to hell because of what I've done, but now I've been forgiven. Praise God. So, yeah, she's happy about it. Now, she's weeping tears because that's what forgiveness means to those who need forgiveness. It is heartbreaking to think about what uh, our sins could have cost us, but then when somebody does something good for you, when somebody forgives you of your sins, yeah, it breaks you down. It makes you feel compassion for that person. It makes you understand how much they love you. And that love brings emotion. Let me tell you, y'all have heard my story many times. You know a lot about me. Nobody knows the sins I've committed but me and the Lord. And I've not always been a good person. And I say that, and I'm not trying to glorify evil or anything like that. I'm just telling you what God has forgiven me of. I've done some bad things. But God says, it's all done. It's all covered. You're forgiven. That makes me happy because I know where I've been. I know what I've done. And I feel like the woman there. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to pay for what I've done. Thank you that you paid for it. We've got to remember what we've been forgiven of, even if it's just a little white lie here or there. A little white lie is enough to send you to hell. Enough 
to keep you out of heaven and into hell. Because a little white lie is a lie. A lie. And if you tell a lie, that means you're a liar. And the scripture says that there shall be no liars in heaven. None. Try to remember where you've been. Try to remember what you've been forgiven of. And most of all, remember what he's done for you. Yeah, uh, we're all sinners. Yes, we, we confess that freely. But do we really understand the meaning of it? Do we really understand what it costs? You know what it says in, in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In John, in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to go there. In verse 8, this is what it says of Jesus. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It says, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus gave up glory so that he could walk in the dirt of the earth so that he could save you and me. He stepped down off the throne of glory and came to earth to save you. To save me. Not that we're worth anything, but that his love for us is so great that he desires our companionship, our, a relationship with us. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Remember that Jesus went to the cross for you. Remember what he suffered. For you he was arrested beaten severely almost to the point of death he was beaten with rods he was beaten with, with scourges he was uh, thorn of crowns was placed on his head and they hit that th corner thorn of crowns with a, a rod spat upon him made him carry his own cross and then they crucified him nailed him to the cross and stood it up and watched him die. You see, our memorial is the cross. As we look at that, what do we see? It's not just a couple pieces of wood nailed together. What does it represent? It represents the king of glory dying for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Those who don't know Jesus can't understand the importance of the cross. You can't understand the importance of the cross until you go to the foot of the cross and see Jesus giving his life for you. And when you see that, you understand what he went through. Why he went through it. To us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It represents my salvation, 
your salvation because that's where Jesus gave his life to purchase us back from death, hell, and the grave. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Today is Memorial Day. And we want to remember all those who gave our life so that we can live the way that we live today. The one that we need to remember the most is the one who gave his life on the cross so that we can have salvation in his name today. Because without that, no hope, no help. Without the Lord Jesus dying, no heaven for anyone. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None righteous, no, not one. But because of God's love for us, Jesus came and died on the cross so that we can have salvation in his name. And as we look at the cross today, we remember the one who hung on the cross. We remember what he did for us. And we give him honor glory and praise today if you need salvation if you've not humbled yourself if you've not dedicated yourself committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ you need salvation would you today give yourself to him completely and wholly maybe you've made a profession before but it was just a decision that you made it wasn't a, a commitment that you made you need to come to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness repent and be saved maybe today you've never done that but you need you know that you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to do that whatever the Lord has laid on your heart today that's what he wants you to do God doesn't give direction God doesn't speak a word that he doesn't want us to act on he wants us to behave a certain way when he gives us a command, it's his invitation for us to join him in doing what he wants. So this morning, would you join him? Would you come before him and ask his forgiveness? Would you come and give yourself to him? Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for what you've done for us. As we get ready to celebrate the Memorial Day holiday tomorrow, what we want to do this morning is commit our way to you, thanking you for your sacrifice so that we can have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. This morning, Father, there's a lot of things going on in our world. Thank you for bringing us here together to worship. Father, we know we're here for a reason. And I ask, Father, that that reason, that purpose be fulfilled during our invitation time this morning. Whatever you direct people to do, give them the strength, the courage to step out and do it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for a hymn of invitation.